You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. All Christians have the Spirit. Unfortunately, a lot of church people these days are not true believers. And that's why they don't change. And that's why they never gain assurance. Once you give up your life, once you reject your life. Remember what Christ said, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross and what? Follow. You reject your life. Once you put your full trust in Christ alone, you are born again by the Spirit of God. And more than born again, the new nature, even the Old Testament saints got a new nature. Now you have something more. You're clothed with Christ and you're indwelt with the Spirit of God forever. In the Old Testament, we hear about the Holy Spirit coming alongside a person for a time in order to help them accomplish a certain work for God. But in those days, He didn't stay with them after the job was complete. In today's message, Pastor Tom teaches us that after Christ came, He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of those who put their faith in Him. When the Holy Spirit comes to make His home inside of you, He lives there forever, not just for one task, but for the rest of eternity. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Empowered with Power from on High. Part of the problem of not being full of the Spirit is that people don't really want to be like Christ. They say they do, but they don't really want to do the things that are necessary to be like Christ. Too many, I'm afraid, are full of themselves. You hear it in the way they talk about themselves. You hear about the way they brag in backhanded kind of ways about themselves and their children and their job and their accomplishments and their education. Even sometimes the way people present themselves, you can tell they're just full of themselves, not Christ, not the Spirit of Jesus. Too many are full of their own agendas. They're not willing to follow the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we should want for ourselves to be so in tune with the Spirit of Jesus who is sent into the world that He characterizes the way we think. He characterizes our priorities, our actions. You can tell you are full of the Spirit. You can. You can actually tell. When you're full of the Spirit, you know it. You know you couldn't possibly be generating that kind of love and that kind of joy and that kind of peace. I mean, you know yourself and you know what yourself produces. And you know how you always go to anxiety and how you always get angry at people and how you always, you know the flesh. I mean, you're familiar with the flesh. Like the back of your hand, you know. The Spirit comes and you're like, where did that come from? Well, now you know the answer too. It did not come from you. When you affectionately talk about Jesus, when you love Christ, you can't wait to talk about Christ. You're excited to share Jesus with some sinner. Just give me a sinner to share the Lord with. You look forward to fellowshipping with other people that are like Jesus, not ready to run home from church. You want to be like the last guy here or continue the blessing at someone's home. You know I want to be with the people of Jesus and I want to talk about Jesus. Now you know you are full of the Spirit of Jesus. Please notice in verse 18, the filling of the Holy Spirit is in sharp contrast with what? Drunkenness. Drunkenness. You ever been drunk? Don't answer that. The sharp contrast comes out with the word but, Allah in Greek. It's a strong contrast. It's really a contrast between two states of being. The state of being drunk with wine, and it doesn't have to just be wine. I mean, obviously that's representative of of all the fleshly things you could be drunk with or high on, right? The state of being drunk with wine, which dulls your senses and actually makes you weak. Don't believe the commercials. And then contrasting the state of being full with God's Spirit. What does that do? It sharpens you. 
It strengthens you. Your spiritual insight is just heightened. You see the world better. You're alert. You're ready and poised to do what you need to do even when your body's tired. It's amazing. That's what we should want. There's really no contrast. You've experienced the two. There's no contrast. There's no competition. Being full of God's spirit. Never go back to the other. Why would one go back to the other? How can we then be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we noted before that the verb be filled is in the present tense, but it's also a passive verb. That's strange. It's not an active verb. An active verb would be when someone tells you run and jump. That's something you would do. A passive verb describes action that is done to you. Not actions you perform, actions that are performed to you. Paul is not telling us, go down there and fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, rather, let yourself be full of the Holy Spirit. You see? That's what a passive command is. The Holy Spirit's poised and ready to do the action. The blockade is you. In fact, both verbs in verse 18 are in the passive. Don't give yourself to drunkenness. When you drink... You're doing the thing that allows you to be, let it take over your body and then it takes over your mind and you get slurred and all the rest of that. It does the action inside of you. It overtakes your senses. Don't do that, but give yourself to being filled by God's Spirit. Let the Spirit permeate you, your thinking, your aspirations, your emotions, your life. So this is really a command about yielding to the action of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit have the right of way. The Holy Spirit wants to. It's His desire to fill you. But you stand in the way because you have not yet yielded. You've told the Holy Spirit thus far and no more. We are to yield like the yield signs on the road. You do yield to the yield signs out on the road, I hope. Give the right of way in your life, in your daily decisions, in your life ambitions to God Almighty, not to you. You're the problem, you see. You and I are the problem. You and I have to yield our will. Wasn't Christ the example of this? Not my will be done, but thine, yes? What did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ, I'll put it this way, gets his way inside of me. He lives inside of me. Quit trying to take control of your life. You don't have control of it anyway. Quit trying to run your own life. Quit trying to steer your life where you want it to go and keep Jesus there in the back seat. Get out of the driver's seat. He steers a lot better. God said when he comes to your life, he must be Lord of your life or he cannot guide you and he cannot save you. You can't negotiate with God and say, I will do this if you will do that. He is Lord and master and king. You bow before him and say, what does my Lord want me to do? He must be Lord of your desires. This is where confession of sin should be coming out in your heart and mind. You know what you've held on to. You know what you're clinging on to. The Holy Spirit is even testifying inside your mind and heart. This is what I'm still clinging to. And it won't work with God. You will never, never be full of the Holy Spirit until you surrender that. Whatever the that is. Trust me, I know. 
There are things you want to hang on to. God will work on you and work on you till you let it go. Let it go. Don't resist his sanctification. Why would you do that? Because you enjoy your sin? Because that's got you where? He wants to transform you. You say you're afraid. Don't be afraid. Trust him. Even if it's painful. Say, I don't want pain. It's going to be a lot more pain if you try to resist. Don't set your will against Almighty God. You're going to lose. That's why he's called Almighty. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or the mule. Don't be stubborn as a mule. Be teachable. Open the scriptures. Get the pen out or your electronic device. Start taking notes. Start saying, this is what I want to focus on. Think about what you're reading. Think about what you're hearing. Make application. Make changes. Spirit of God, show me what I need to see here. Where am I blinded? Where am I not looking at this situation properly? I can't seem to overcome these desires. You take over. And then be obedient to what he tells you to do. Don't just sit there passively. Get up and do what he tells you to do in the word. Bend to the Spirit of God. Bend to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will fill you. It works for you just like it works for anybody else. All 120 or whatever were there, all of them. Do you know what personality they had? Were some of them shy? I'm sure they were. Were some of them uh, not as dedicated as others? I'm sure that was true. Were some of them not as knowledgeable? Were some of them more feeble in this life? I'm sure. It doesn't matter. It's not about personality. It's not about how old you are. It's not about your sex. It's not about... Any of those things. It's about your willingness in your heart. We're all on equal footing in that, you see? That's what those disciples in Acts 2 were doing, if you remember. Remember in the chapter 1, what were they doing? They were following their master's orders. They were submissive. They were not self-willed. Listen, they made sacrifices. They were there in Jerusalem waiting for the event. They'd given themselves over and said, God, take me and use me. And boy, did he. You have to empty yourself of self. When you do that, you'll taste the power of God's Spirit filling you up. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Unfortunately, too often, even believers try to fill their emptiness. You know what I mean? That void, that boredom, that loneliness that purposelessness, that just sense that there's a vacuum on the inside. You feel it sometimes. You go away from the gathering of the saints and you're alone and it settles back in again and there you are. And they try to fill that with something else. Shopping. They gorge on comfort food. They zip home after church and turn on their gaming box for hours. Why? Because you're not full of the Spirit. Because you need something else to fill you because your life's bored. You haven't yet learned what it means to really love Christ and to have him in fullness in your life. How sad it makes me that some people come in here to church even for years and years and leave unaffected by the preaching of the Holy Spirit's words in Scripture. See, though the verb is passive, 
Notice that Paul puts the responsibility to be filled on who? On us, right? The responsibility is not on God. The Holy Spirit's already been poured out. God stands ready to fill, but we must yield to him. All week long, you have influences trying to turn your mind and your affections and your heart away from the things of Jesus. You think these sermons are long? I get a measly 45 minutes with you guys. They get like 30 hours bombasting you all week long. Think this, believe this, love this, buy that. That's why I yell so much, by the way. (laughs) Rather than being permeated by the things of the Spirit, you walk out and you're already starting to suck in the world as soon as you're out the doors. But the more you will yield to God's word in your mind, the more you will set up your life where you quit listening to those voices and listen to this voice all the time. This voice, the voice of Scripture in your mind. Replace your thoughts. Let Scripture come in there. That's why it's so important to memorize Scripture. That's why it's so important to learn doctrine so you think correctly about Scripture. God's thoughts after God. So it's not your thoughts. I mean, the world is so foolish. And the younger you are, the more foolish it is. Although the older people get, the more hardened they can get. What does a person look like if they're full of the Spirit? Well, if you notice verses 19 and 20 as it goes on, and we don't have time to talk all about this. Verse 19, it says, filled with the Spirit, doing what? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To God, even the Father. That's what it looks like to be full of the Holy Spirit. You ever been down to Annapolis on a warmer day? You see the sailboats down there, it's so pretty. You'll notice the sailboats don't move too fast if their sails aren't up. You ever notice that? Funny thing. But then when they hoist the sail up, the wind catches them, and then they start to smoothly go across the water. A lot of Christians are like sailboats that have not hoisted up their sails. You're trying to live... The Christian life puttering along with a little electric battery back there. And God, the Holy Spirit, wants to fill your sails and move you along and do something with your life and produce love and fruit in your life, but you haven't hoisted up the sails because you're stubborn and you don't want to live God's way. How beautiful it is to catch the wind of God and see what God does in your life, a journey of a lifetime. That is the work of the filling of the Spirit. Now, we move on to the second work, hopefully a little faster. The second work of the Spirit is the indwelling of the Spirit. This is no lesser work of the Spirit. The indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not mentioned. Let's go back to Acts 2 for a second. You'll notice this is not actually mentioned in Acts 2. It doesn't say they were all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It says they were all filled. It implies, though, that they're indwelt with the Spirit. Now that you come back to Acts 2, let's go a little further back and go to John. And we'll see that even Jesus predicted that when the Holy Spirit came, he would indwell the believers. I want you to turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 17. And he's talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in verse 16, this is John 14, verses 16 and 17. He says, this is the upper room discourse. He's talking to the disciples and he says, I will ask the Father and the Father will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Notice the permanence. 
Verse 17, and then verse 17 adds to this. That is, who is he talking about? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, you know the spirit, because he abides with you and will be, future tense, will be in you. Please notice those two prepositions, they're different and they're meant to be different. The Holy Spirit, you old covenant believers, you're disciples of mine, you pre-Pentecost believers, the Holy Spirit is with you and you know him, but he's not yet inside of you. He will be inside of you. That is the blessing of the new covenant. That is what you and I have as post-Pentecost believers. Jesus predicted it. Those two prepositions have a world of theology in them. They indicate the difference between pre- and post-Pentecost. Para, with, means actually alongside. We get our word parallel from that. Para, right alongside. The Spirit has been here with you. You, You're related to Him. You know Him. You have a relationship with Him. But you haven't yet entered into the new covenant relationship because that's coming future tense. That's going to be in or in you, inside of you, you see. In the Old Testament dispensation, the Spirit of Jesus was there. He dwelt alongside believers. Sometimes He came upon them to empower them for service. But as we learn, the new covenant's a better covenant. It replaces the old covenant. By the way, side note, I don't know why so many people are trying to live under the old covenant. You get the Seventh-day Adventists and everybody else trying to still live under the old covenant. We've been given a better covenant. And even sometimes Christians that say they're under the new covenant don't get it. It's a radically new and more powerful thing. Agreement, arrangement, it's a dispensation, that means an economy, a way things are arranged and dwelt with, the way God is doing things now. And you combine that with verse 16, he's not only in the inside, but he's with us forever, permanent. Permanent indwelling, we call it. Permanent indwelling of the Spirit of God. This truth goes hand in hand with the baptism of the Spirit. Baptism comes, indwelling comes. We are not always full of the Holy Spirit, but we are always baptized by the Holy Spirit, a one-time thing. And we are always, even when you sin, even when you act like a miserable creature, even when you do that, He still remains in you, not because of your own righteousness, but because you're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. In fact, Romans 8 9 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't even belong to him. Some of you don't know that you have the Spirit of Christ inside of you. You don't sense the work of the Spirit of Christ inside of you. You don't even have assurance that that's probably because you don't even belong to Him yet. You haven't really repented and said, Christ, I want you to be my Lord. You have no experience with the Spirit of God. You only have experience with Bible outside of you and church outside of you, but not on the inside. All Christians have the Spirit Unfortunately, a lot of church people these days are not true believers. And that's why they don't change. And that's why they never gain assurance. Once you give up your life, once you reject your life. Remember what Christ said, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross and what? Follow. You reject your life. Once you put your full trust in Christ alone, you are born again by the Spirit of God. And more than born again, the new nature, even the Old Testament saints got a new nature. Now you have something more. You're clothed with Christ and you're indwelt with the Spirit of God forever. That's our dispensation. That's our economy. That's better. 1 John 4, 13, by this we know that we remain in Christ and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Hallelujah.
1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? That was not said in the Old Testament. Whom you have from God. The indwelling completes our relationship with him. We are put in him through the baptism with the Spirit, and he is put in us through the indwelling of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it said, after the, talking about the baptism of the Spirit, it said, we are all made to drink of one Spirit. He's on the inside. We're drinking him. And when he's on the inside, the thing about him is he's dynamic. He now becomes that well inside of us, right? Millard Erickson in his Christian theology writes, Jesus had been a teacher and a leader, but his influence was that of external word and example. The Spirit, however, is able to affect one more intensely because dwelling within, he can get to the very center of one's thinking and emotions. Remember what Jesus said? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, I will send the Spirit of Christ to you. You cannot help but be moved by the fact that God decided in this dispensation, in this era, to put the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God, actually inside of your body. You can't but be moved by that. Again, flashing back to the upper room discourse where Jesus was talking about this, this intimacy. By the way, that's kind of the theme of the, the whole upper room discourse in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is intimacy, his ongoing relationship with his disciples whom he wants to bring to glory and show his glory. Jesus answered and said to the disciples, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to make our living place right there with him. And he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing the father and son. This is Trinity truth that's beyond us. When the spirit of God comes, he can't come without the father and the son. So he brings the whole package. God in us. Amazing. In an article in the Introduction to Biblical Counseling, by the way, this has everything to do with counseling, if you're into counseling. John MacArthur writes this, Thus, Christianity involves a supernatural relationship with the Trinity. The Spirit indwells the believer, kindling righteous desires and holy affections, pouring out the love of God in our hearts. The believer thus loves Christ and strives to obey Him. Moreover, both the Father and the Son pledge their love to believers, and Christ continually manifests himself in that love. The believer, then, is the beneficiary of a loving relationship involving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, end quote. Personally, that is very humbling. I know sometimes you want to know, how do I apply this? It's very simple. Be humble. God has chosen to dwell in your tiny little body. Weak and wobbly as I feel sometimes. A temple of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's not only humbling, that's encouraging. God's presence with me, in me, forever, never to change. But what if I... No, he won't leave. But, but what if I... No, he won't, he won't leave. See, Satan says, ah! He doesn't love you like that. And the word of God says, I'll never, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It's also challenging to me. You have to keep your body free from sexual immorality. You are not your own. People say, but it's my body. I can do with it whatever I want. Christian, it's not your body. 
It's done, bought, and paid for. 1 Corinthians 6, right? You are not your own. Is that unclear? I love when the Bible is very direct like that. You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Sorry, you're slaves. This is a slavery you're going to like. This is slavery to righteousness. This is slavery where our king and owner does everything, everything to bless us. It's exciting to learn what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Doesn't it make you want to take the truths that Pastor Tom taught us about in today's message and apply them to your life? There are a lot of other things that we could fill our lives with, but what else or who else can do what the Holy Spirit does when He fills us with Himself? How else can we truly live for Christ without being filled with the Spirit of God? We're blessed to be able to share the good news of the gospel with our listeners through the ministry of Discover Hope. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus yet, or if you have more questions, we invite you to visit the What Does It Mean to Be a Christian page under the About Us at HopeBible.org. This will provide you with a concise description of why you need Jesus in your life and how you can be free from sin. We'd like to speak and pray with you too, so please give us a call at 443-200-HOPE. Again, that's 443 443- 200 hope we've learned a lot so far in this series about the holy spirit but there's still much more join us next time as pastor tom teaches us about the seal of promise and the empowerment of the holy spirit these teachings from scripture are vitally important for us to know in the church age in which we live the holy spirit living in us isn't just for the fun of it but it's because he wants us to accomplish great things in and through us to listen again to today's message in the book of acts visit hopebiblechurch.org and look under the sermons tab Pastor Tom will return soon with another in-depth study of God's Word, so join us again right here on Discover Hope.